Twitter's misbegotten live video strategy and champagne and caviar dreams meet cold hard truth. This is episode 63 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, this episode of Media Unplugged is brought to you by the fabulous folks at Stack Adapt. Stack Adapt is an omnichannel digital advertising platform that helps brands accelerate customer acquisition. If you're an agency or a brand, the biggest challenge you have is capturing attention. Stack Adapt helps you find audiences that are reading about relevant topics or competing products before they search for them. That's important. That means you reach potential customers faster and more efficiently. It's simple technology that works. Visit stackadapt.com and request an invite today. Tom, Twitter's misbegotten live video strategy, right? Hmm. Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) Now, as you know, as everyone knows, Twitter's announced that they're going to double down on this live video thing. In fact, just today, I think I saw a piece saying NFL was creating some custom piece for Twitter, and why not? Um, this, uh, there's an article written by Om Malik in New Yorker, which I'm impressed by because, you know, I don't recall seeing Om in New Yorker before. That's kind of cool for him. Yeah, he's good. Um, and by he's the, the way, this is the, this is the first episode we've ever done, I mentioned this to you, where I've actually talked to or met both of the authors of the pieces we're covering, which is kind of exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. And Ohm is a very smart guy. I remember presenting something in a room, and there was Ohm about three rows deep, and I was thinking, I don't know if he buys a word that I'm saying right now. <laughs> anyway, Ohm's piece had to do with this uh, this new uh, initiative by Twitter, and uh, let me just pick out a pluck a, a moment from it. Here it is. Twitter is short-form, real-time, and text-based. It's built for instant alerts and rapid consumption. It's an ideal system for delivering sips of information from an abundant stream. But the live video effort forces you not only to leave the stream, but to set aside time to watch. This is an idea that must have come from some financial guy's head. We need to boost engagement and make money, so let's live stream and keep people longer and sell ads. The question is, does any Twitter user want this? Tom, does does any Twitter user want that? I don't think so. No, you know. I don't think so either. No, it was. It, listen, it was a very good article, well, well written. I do have one issue, and it's with his statement. He says that Twitter could make changes that better align financial growth with its DNA. Mm-hmm. He also he also adds at the end and what its users want. But the whole DNA argument, in my mind, I mean that's what prevents organizations from truly innovating, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. take Amazon. Let's use them as an example. This Echo, this voice-activated smart speaker, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a natural extension of Amazon's DNA, its identity? I I don't think so. Wait a minute. Are you talking about about the world's largest bookstore, that Amazon? This is what I'm saying, right? (laughs) So you look at the direction they're heading in, Mark. They just released, I just saw it because I own one of these things, functionality that allows you to call or message anyone else that has an Echo. Right. So you say, what the hell is that? And then I look at this new version, this Echo Show, and it comes with a combination of a touchscreen and a video camera. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a home intercom system and a video conferencing tool like Skype. Right. right, right. But this is from Amazon. Yeah. So that, so what I'm saying is, if you're Twitter and you're sitting on three to four billion dollars in cash, innovate with that cash. Mm-hmm. That's my point. 
the how would DNA? So I think uh, as an extension, what I also hear you saying is there is indeed, he's kind of, he's, he's compressing um, f- uh, DNA and what users want. And what you're saying is DN- your DNA and what users want could absolutely have nothing to do with each other, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That in he, fact, he, focus on what users want, not so much your DNA, and you might be better off. That's right. You see, it's their DNA that's making what he says is the financial guys probably came up with this scheme, right? Because mm-hmm. advertisers want video. It commands a higher price for ad, for ad dollars. Wait a minute. Who's the customer here? That's right. He's actually focused on what the advertisers want, not what exactly. the users want. Exactly. And that revolves around DNA. This mm-hmm. is who we are. Here's how we get money. Well, let's do this. No, that's not the way to do it. You don't chase that. Look what's happening to Snap to, or Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Right? With their mm-hmm. disappearing stock price. Why? <laughs> because Facebook is crushing them by copying them. Right. So you've right. got to watch out what's going on out here, and, especially and, for eyeballs. And why can Facebook get away with that? What do you mean why can they get how, away with it? Because it? they've got all the because they've got all the attention. Exactly right. They've got <laughs> they've got they've they're the envy of everyone in terms of their attention. They can leverage that attention if they're smart. And in fact, what they're doing is they're looking at the situation and saying, "Let's not be limited to our DNA." They wouldn't own Instagram if it was just about their DNA, That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. And by the way, that Echo show that Amazon just released, they bought that. Mhm. Right. Um, Ohm goes on to say, on the very day Twitter announced it had added 9 million new monthly active users, which I have trouble believing they're going to keep, by the way, I strongly suspect that's more a function of the political wins than anything else. Right. Instagram, the Facebook-owned photo-sharing social platform, announced that it had added 100 million. <laughs> Nine versus 100, Tom. That's a big difference. That's closing in on 10%, but (laughs) that's only if I round it up. Bringing its total user base to 700 million second only to Facebook itself. It's really, really amazing. Their ability to crush the competition is profound. The other thing that I thought was interesting about this is the way he closed, because his whole article pretty much builds up to, this is the wrong strategy for Twitter. Let me tell you the right one, right? Well, that's good. Yes, it was great. So he squeezed that into two sentences in the final paragraph, and here's what it is. So what should Twitter do? Oh, I'm sorry, three sentences, if that counts as the first one. Of course, one. if you're going to have a you know, strategy, it's got to be right. three sentences. So here's, here's, here's the condensed answer. Instead of live video streaming, it could focus on developing photo and media-centric features, evolving the current platform to become a more visual, more friendly, and less angry place. It, and then, of course, that's it. He can't count on forever being propped up by random tweets by the American president. Forget the last sentence. Focus on the second one. That's I mean, linear. That's linear. Focus thinking. on developing media or photo and media centric features, evolving the current platform to become a more visual, more friendly, and less angry place. First of all, the odds of it becoming a more friendly and less angry place <laughs> are zero. In terms of being more visual. Aren't they attempting to do exactly that? Yeah, he, look, he wants them to, I don't know, to try to keep up with Instagram's app and, you know, the Snapchat. And Why? I mean, innovation is not, what, what direction is everyone going? Let's go there. Mm-hmm. That's not innovation. I say take the $3 billion and look at something innovative. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you have said, oh, wow, look what Twitter's doing? 
I can't so, even remember. You know, I do have a last time for that. I was at some conference somewhere, <clears throat> and somebody was saying, you know, Twitter just made changes to their ad platform. They've got some new ad units. Let's take a look at Twitter. In other <laughs> words, it was all from the advertiser perspective. That's the innovation that they had made that was causing some uh, fuss at that time. So you're well, quite right. If, if that's who they think their ultimate customer is, that could be creating all their problems. Mm-hmm. You are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asecker and Mark Ramsey. Champagne and caviar dreams <laughs> meet cold hard truth. Tom, I don't think you appreciate my title. I don't know. Some of these titles are amazing. I swear well, to you. It wasn't as uh, striking as the title of the article I'm referencing, which is by uh, another person I respect a lot, Ryan Holiday, from Thought Catalog. And the article is titled, F Your Dreams, he actually spells it out, and Other Painful Things You Have to Hear to Be Successful, which is just a, a, an amazing title. Um, <laughs> not quite as amazing as mine, but apparently clear. So here's how it starts. When you hear someone tell you, what they're working on, how their dream is to be a singer or a comedian, how they're dropping out of college because they have the next big startup idea. The expectation is you'll be encouraging. Dare greatly. You're a badass. I believe in you. That's what they want to hear. You're not supposed to say, that's a terrible idea, even if it's true. Even if that person is going to waste years of their life pursuing a bad or broken dream that they're very unlikely to achieve, you're not even supposed to question it. Are you sure you really want what you want? <laughs> even when their motives are clearly all twisted up. This is so great. He goes on to say, the piece I wrote about why people, is an example, why people shouldn't start podcasts, you know who objected the most? The people who sell courses to people starting podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> one more one more line. In his book, Black Privilege, Charlemagne the God talks about his early aspirations of being a rapper. He did some work in radio early on, but mostly as a way of furthering his music career. Finally, one day, his boss pulls him, in, pulls him aside and says, listen, Charlemagne, I know your dream is to be a famous rapper, but F that dream. You're just not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to say he's called he calls these fight club moments the moment when an outside person or force is required to deliver a painful fact at odds with your identity f your dreams is maybe the hardest the harshest thing you could possibly say to someone but it is necessary especially when those dreams are tainted with ego self-deception or misguided expectations <laughs> what do you think tom <laughs> this this um this particular piece kind of threw me a little bit i'll tell you why first of all can you imagine being that wise like orion holiday at the ripe young age of 29 i mean that's, that's pretty that's pretty impressive to be able to kind of tell everybody what they should be doing with their dreams all right so look <laughs> i'm not sure if you're cynical or just or just uh odd i'm not sure i'm not sure either so let me continue so listen the marketplace is overflowing with people who will tell you what you want to hear to get chosen as their advisor, their brand, because that is how the marketplace works. And it's the same for all products and services, including politics, religion, and by the way, even Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. So what? So if you don't know it's all bullshit by now, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> Because look, if anyone really had the confidence, and I've said this to you before on this podcast, I'm gonna say mm -hmm. it again, I'm gonna shout it to the rooftops. Mm -hmm. If anyone really had the confidence in their assessment of your dream 
and they had the formula for success, they wouldn't charge you a penny. They would simply take a piece of the action and make their money that way. Right. Nobody does it. No one. Right? But I mean, Gary, they... Gary V doesn't do it. Why no. not? Because they don't know. They don't know. What they know is that you seem to know and are willing to put your money where your dreams are. <laughs> and they're happy to take a piece of that, right? Of I mean, course. This they is why, fuel it. They fuel it. This they is why it. I think it's so uh, interesting. And what did I just send you? I just sent you a thing that uh, I can't even remember. Oh, but the self-publishing, yeah. get rich via self-publishing yes. piece. Yes, I mean, the whole tone of it was you actually can make a million dollars off your uh, license fees. Wasn't mm -hmm. that what it was? Yeah. I mean, it was just astonishing. But Mark, uh, it's no me. different than use this toothpaste and women will jump your bones. I mean, everybody's yeah. doing this with everything out there that they're selling. They're trying to paint this picture of the future and mm -hmm. tell you if you use this, this brand, this a this agency, this whatever it is, everything is going to be great in the future. It's not true. Now, the problem I have with this because of that is like hundreds of these Charlemagnes are hearing F your dreams daily. Mm -hmm. And these people are bending to the world and they're giving up on those dreams. But who's the ultimate arbiter of those dreams? Who predicts the future? Let me give you a couple examples. Rudyard Kipling was fired as contributor to the San Francisco Examiner because he was told by an editor, I'm sorry, Mr. Kipling, but you just don't know how to use the English language. <laughs> Lucille Ball was considered a failed actress, a B-list actress, so much so that her drama instructor urged her to try another profession. Steven Spielberg was rejected by the University of Southern California School of Theater, Film, and Television three times. He was eventually accepted by another school, which he dropped out of to pursue directing. Jerry Seinfeld was told, you're just not that good, Jerry, and was fired after a poor performance on the sitcom Benson. After a performance at Nashville's Grand Old Opry, Elvis was told by the concert hall manager he was better off returning to Memphis and driving trucks. <laughs> Do you see? This is what I'm trying to well, tell you. All of the experts don't know. And I think Ryan gets to this in two of his last paragraphs, right? Here's what he says. He says, nobody grows by flattery. Flattery. No one benefits from chasing down a flawed dream they are not suited for or can't properly defend. Certainly the market is worse off when crap that should have been caught and prevented makes its way through. Because, though God knows there's plenty of great stuff out there that will never get seen because of all the noise. And look, here's the, here's the key. If you feel bad about being discouraging to someone, remember this, it's actually impossible to discourage someone from their true calling. If they were meant to do it, if they can't not pursue this calling, your rejection will be fuel. If they weren't, uh, they will thank you for releasing them from this self-made prison and the world would be better off in both cases. All of those cases you mentioned, Tom, <laughs> all of those cases are anecdotes of note because the people in the story could not be discouraged. Right? No, that's right. No, that's now, right. That's right. now th what th that <laughs> I'm with you. Listen, there's a tension here. There's a tension because he, you know, he, when he says, you know, F your dreams may be necessary when those dreams are, you know, tainted with ego, self, de self deception, and misguided expectations. Guess what? I would say when they're polluted, 
with ego, self-deception, and misguided expectations, sure, but not tainted. All big dreams have a trace of ego and self-deception in them. Everybody that sits there with a guitar <laughs> and strums this thing and sees themselves up on a stage, they're deceiving themselves because it's not reality. The odds are really, really low. So it's all tainted. But Tom, what is the difference then between <laughs> Lucille Ball being told that she has no future as an actress right. and someone putting out a shingle that says, I can help you uh, create a uh, profitable podcast? What is the difference between those two things? What is the difference? <laughs> I, I think I, I, what I'm trying to get at is yeah. I think the difference in one case is that the guy who tells Lucille Ball that she doesn't have it isn't trying to stoke her dreams. You know, she is, oh, she no, is the I own power behind her dreams. Yeah. I'm saying it's, it's, it's manifestly different to say, here's a way to get rich quick just like me by creating courses to help others get rich just like me. Oh, no, I, yeah, no, I know this stuff gets to you. It gets to me too. But, but you see, it doesn't really get to me as much because I see it everywhere, mm -hmm. everywhere. And every ad I see and every piece of copy and every email, I sniff this stuff out everywhere now. It's, I'm so sensitive to it that, it's, that it's, you know, it doesn't really strike me anymore. Mm -hmm. but, but see, the thing is, and you're right, when it comes to people who feel driven, who feel an inside passion, whatever it is, dreams aren't their self-made prison. Living life the way others think they should live it, hmm. that's their real prison. Those people that have this thing inside of them that want to get it out. Look, Mark, Emily Dickinson, she wrote, I don't know, 2,000 poems? Less than a dozen were published when she was alive. Mm -hmm. It was inside of her. She didn't need the external world to validate the fact that this was in her and needed to get out. It's interesting you say that because I know in in you know my own case with the Inside Psycho podcast, it's been you know remarkably successful, but it hasn't changed the world. It hasn't set the world on fire. It's not what I would call you know a hit in a global sense. And I, I did a little research project the other day where I said, here's 20 movies, you know, which ones would you want to know more about just to see where, uh, you know, what, what would be next after Psycho. Right. And I've got a list of movies. And what's interesting about it, I can look at the top of that list and say, well, I'm not interested in doing that one. I'm not interested in doing that. I don't care that it scores at the top. I'm simply not interested. It's not in me to do that one. And to their credit, my partners at Wondery with whom I did the podcast they never said to me, we want you to pick a movie everyone cares about. They said, what's next for you? you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you see the difference between that and how everyone out there who's had a taste of success is trying to move forward? Even when they work with their publishers, the publishers are saying, what does your audience want to know next? Mm -hmm. Right? And they're all bending to that. They don't even hear the voice inside of them anymore. They end up fueling this whole idea behind keep feeding the audience what it wants. I mean, I heard Seth Godin on a podcast recently saying something like uh, people don't want to read books anymore. Well, you know what? He kept feeding these people what they wanted and they got full. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. <laughs> That's so true. 
Yeah, that's such an interesting way of looking at it. Rants and raves are coming up. Remember, this episode of Media Unplugged is brought to you by Stack Adapt. Stack Adapt is an omnichannel digital advertising platform that helps brands accelerate customer acquisition. Stack Adapt helps you find audiences that are reading about relevant topics or competing products before they search for them. That means you reach potential customers faster and more efficiently. Please support Media Unplugged by visiting stackadapt.com and requesting an invite today. Okay, Tom, time for rants and raves. I got to tell you, you worked me up with that, you know, F your dreams piece. So I think I'm, I think I'm ranted out. I'm, <laughs> I love the rant, but I, I ranted pretty hard on that. So I think I'm going to let you close out with your rants and raves today, if okay. you don't mind. I don't mind. I, I, I want to do a couple things. One, one is a rave. I want to save that because I just, I don't know that the other is really a rant as much as it is an observation. You know, doing all the stuff that I'm doing in podcasting now is really interesting. I had an experience where just this week we did a, a kind of a cross promotion with the with the Inside Psycho podcast and uh, a podcast from another uh, uh, platform that had a, a large audience as well. And that simple cross promotion, you know, a little bit of them on mine, a little bit of, of mine on theirs. All of a sudden, boom! I check the rankings and I'm back to number one in TV film. Oh, wow. And it's such an interesting thing because it tells you, first of all, how little it takes to move the needle. <laughs> it tells you what little consequence being number one really has. Um, and it tells you also at the same time how all of this is so remote from the mass audience. Because if, in fact, just being featured on a popular podcast is enough to take you to number one, um, you know that popular podcast is consumed by a tiny fraction of the audience anyway. So <laughs> you know that all of this game to reach number one for this tiny little universe is just, it's like that, that thing from, uh, I don't remember which Men in Black, but remember there was one of the Men in Blacks when it was like you zoom in and there's another universe, or, or no, you zoom out and there's, you're part of a larger right, universe, right, right. and you zoom out as part of a larger universe, and everyone is a concentric universe within other universes, and you just can't get, it just gets more and more weird as you go in the concentric circles. That's how this world of podcasting is. It was just an I interesting observation that everyone trying harder and harder to get attention. Here I am, jettisoned to number one, and the lesson I take away from it is that well, A, this wasn't that hard, and B, this means almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my observation. My rant is awesome, and tell me if you've seen this. The title uh, online is this. Visual effects artist creates epic video to sell his old car, and now two million people want to buy it. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> this is great. This is a guy, I guess, who's a visual effects guy, and it says, uh, for most of us, selling a used car, used car, generally involves placing an advert on a popular website or in the classified section of the local newspaper, but when it came to selling his old SUV, Eugene Romanofsky decided to take things to a whole new level by creating the most spe spectacular advertisement for his 1996 Suzuki Vitara. Employing his skills as a visual effects artist, the Israel-based Latvian made an epic two-minute video showcasing everything his trusty car can and cannot do, from driving underwater to visiting outer space and even cruising alongside dinosaurs and being featured in Mad Max Fury Road. 
<laughs> That's funny. It's really not surprising to learn that his video has been viewed over 2 million times since he recently uploaded it to YouTube. See for yourself, don't forget the popcorn. This video is unbelievable. Wow, I gotta watch that. But the best part for me about watching this video was the recognition that like all people who are really good at video, they, te they tend to be really bad at English and spelling. <laughs> Because uh, he's got some expletives, you know, it's some, some words flying across the screen at one point, and the word excellent flies across, and it's E-X-E-L-L-E-N-T. <laughs> Maybe that's the only way he could fit it on there. I thought, I thought, you mean to tell me, he creates this unbelievably magnificent video with all these extraordinary visual effects, and he can't even do a spell check. What does that say? It means if you can write, write. If you can't, do video. That is one thing it says for sure. And that <laughs> that's that also is a, an illustration of the fact that despite the spelling error, still 2 million people want to buy his 1996 car. All power to him, right? 2 million people. He... What's he going to do now with all these with all that attention? I, I'll tell you, you look at something <laughs> like that and you say, isn't this really the best argument for, um, you know, how you present something. And it's in a very self-aware way. I mean, clearly no one's going to buy for a second that this car can do any of these wonderfully outlandish things. <laughs> and it, and it, but it's because, you know, we're all in on the joke together. We get it. It's not like, you know, I don't know the last time you sold a house, but if you go to sell a house, the first thing you notice about the photos is that the sky around the house looks nothing like the sky <laughs> yeah. that's really around the house, right? Yeah. Look, Mark, we get turned on by our perceptions and feelings, and then we rationalize everything after that. I've been saying this for I don't even know how long anymore. I don't get it. Why do people bake cookies before you walk in the house to buy it? What the hell do cookies have to do with a $400,000 house? Nothing. But, yeah, but that's see, what, what people do. But what I'm saying is, you know, you doctor the sky, that is child's play. You know, you should have like Iron Man flying through your house. <laughs> oh, I see. You want to take it up a notch. You've got to take it up a notch. You should look out as you scan the back window. You should see like, you know, uh, a T-Rex in the backyard, <laughs> you know, as you're scanning. Now, that would sell the house, Tom. People aren't taking this seriously no, enough. No, I'm with you. We'll call it Holly Hollywood Homes by you Tom know and Mark. Tom, I, I hate to say it. I'm glad it's at the end of this uh, podcast, but that is an amazing business idea to just take people's uh, video of people's homes and turn it into, uh, you know, a, a blockbuster a blockbuster extravaganzas. I mean, I'm going to tell you, take two $500,000 homes. Which one are you going to buy? There's no question about buy it. Buy the right? blockbuster. Buy the one with the dinosaurs in the backyard. <laughs> <That's>, All right. <laughs> that's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us uh, at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at art19.com, Radio Inc., Media Village, and Google Play Music. <laughs> you can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. Somebody did that this week, Tom. I know. I saw and that. Well, I'm already, I'm already fired up about that one. Excellent. I'm already fired up. Catch up on older episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the amazing producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.